Welcome to The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge, brought to you by the world's leading underground construction equipment company, Ditchwitch. Proud to support the sports you love. I'm Steve Brigman, and I'm joined, as always, by the host of Bass Edge Television, Aaron Martin. How are you today, Mr. Martin? I am doing great and looking forward to the upcoming interviews that we have with legend Guido Hibden. And then also, kind of as a special treat, uh, Stella will be joining us to kind of go into detail on their 40-year history. And then a little bit later, we'll have Jake Tippy from Ardent Reels to discuss uh, really somewhat of a confusing topic, and that is the gear ratio on your reels. Oh, that sounds excellent. Let's let it roll. Get her like that one, boy. Good job. I don't know of any other sport that offers the challenge of bass fishing. Oh, did you see yes, that? Yes, I saw that. That was awesome. <laughs> Watch for the fish to pace the bait. What do you think of that, huh? Yeah. That's full contact fishing right Man. there. You're listening to The Edge, the official audio program of Bass Edge. I was writing my column for this month's e-newsletter the other day, kind of doing my annual soapbox about taking kids fishing, but it uh, gave me a time to kind of reflect on uh, some childhood memories and uh, how many fish I used to catch before I had a boat and a whole garage full of equipment. Well, you know, it's funny you bring that up because that's a soapbox as far as I'm concerned. We can uh, never get off. You know, I grew up, I was one of the lucky ones, grew up on a farm, so I always had farm ponds and streams and, uh, you know, just walking the shoreline, wading uh, local rivers and streams, canoe, whatever I could do. And had I not been introduced to the sport of fishing in in that manner, chances are I wouldn't be where I am today, Steve. Well, that's so true, and it's so important, you know, to keep that in mind. It's it's important for the future of fishing. It's it's just it's just the right thing to do. And you know, I had fun with my article a little bit, but you know, none of my old fishing buddies set up uh, tax fraud <laughs> or stock fraud schemes or anything. I mean, the old idea that fishing can keep kids out of trouble. I mean, there's a lot of truth to that. Well, there is, and the other thing that I see about just the sport of fishing, and especially just from really what I consider boiling it down to grassroots at, at the basic level of, of grabbing a rod and reel and a handful of baits. You know, we've talked about this before with Bob Lusk, but there is nothing quite like being limited on your choices of tackle, uh, limited on your mobility. We're really talking about having to get in kind of put our heads uh, to the grindstone and figuring out a way to entice fish into biting because it's not like you can, you know, just jump down behind the console, fire the big motor up and, you know, cruise 15 miles down the lake. When you're walking the shoreline, I think that puts you in a better position to be able to see things that you may not ordinarily see um, when you have all the busyness, you know, going on uh, by motoring down the lake. Well, that's such a great point, you know, just beyond the fishing. And there is so much good fishing in this country from the bank and that you can access by wading here in the Ozarks. I mean, my goodness, there's so many good streams to wade. A guy might not be inclined to need a boat or, or a canoe or whatever, but uh, this subject just always makes me think of back in the days when I'd walk around a farm pond and, you know, I might take time to catch a frog or stare off at uh, some birds or something. It's just a great experience, but I think also it's a great way to catch fish, and frankly, it's something I never grew out of. I remember back in my Texas days, I usually take about one day a year and go over to Lake Fork, and I had probably about a dozen spots that you could access 
from the bank and when the fish were spawning, I would always have one of my best days of the year as far as catching fish. Well, sure. And, you know, back on, on an earlier point that you made there, uh, when you're walking the shoreline and catching a frog, and, and that's really where I think introducing a new person to the sport, whether it be a child or even an adult, there's so many things of nature that you get to appreciate because you're right up close and personal. And don't you find that it's it's kind of ironic, I guess, if you will. Here we are, you know, if, if we're spending the majority of our time in a bass boat, you know, we're casting perhaps in towards the shoreline. And I've always found it interesting that when I reflect back on those earlier days, all of our time was spent on the shoreline throwing the exact opposite direction, you know, <laughs> casting to where the boat is sitting. Oh, that's so true. You know, it's like, I think we said this even last week, the guy, everybody hops in their boat and takes off and they kind of end up really close to where the other guy put in. But there's great fishing all along the bank especially in the spring and in the falls when they come back in to feed. You know, it's a special experience. Uh, you know, I think there's a knack to learning uh, about places to fish. Most of our lakes have uh, some access, but uh, there's an awful lot of good places to fish, smaller bodies of water that our various states maintain that you can uh, find maps and directions to online. That's a, a great point because I know just uh, as a matter of fact, this past weekend, you know, some of the guys from Don Hertz and uh, some of the different ones from the Bass Edge office went out and they went to, it was just a, a conservation lake, Port Hudson. And basically how they found that was just by getting on doing some research. Mm-hmm. But there's numerous lakes across the country, like you speak of, that the state maintains. They post, obviously, what they're stocked with. They, they keep them on a, a managed basis, meaning uh, contributing to the restocking not only of the fish that you're pursuing, but also the bait, the structure, you know, so I think there's a lot of, I guess, opportunity out there for anglers uh, to be able to pursue some of these interests that we're speaking of. Oh, uh, there absolutely is, and you know what, they're usually pretty good places to fish because the state takes care of them, you know, obviously, so uh, so they're managed very well, uh, uh, more than, say, most of your average uh, farm ponds, but make a picnic, take the wife, get the kids out, you know, we parents go through a lot of things and, and you're a parent and you know this uh, there's some hard sells you know eat your vegetables and it's your bedtime now but man there's no easier sell to the kids than spending a day on the water just watch them <laughs> let's face it you take a kid to the water it's just going to be a very few minutes till he's wet or muddy. Well, no question there. And, you know, one tip that I would like to throw out before we get out, we, we've talked about it many, many times, and that's as far as fishing around boat ramps. You know, a lot of, of your larger reservoirs, your your larger uh, river systems, you know, they have public access, obviously, with ramps and things like that. Mm-hmm. A lot of times you'll see to where they have courtesy docks and things that are um, basically reserved for bank fishermen. The other thing that comes into play, Steve, is that not all tournaments use what we call a release boat, meaning to where after a tournament has had a weigh-in to where they actually put those in a um, release boat, take them back out in the Mm -hmm. lake and release them in some arbitrary location. Some of those local clubs in that release those fish right there in those marina areas. And so the concentrations, obviously, uh, can be a little bit higher. And those are great target areas, high percentage areas, basically, that's going to ensure that uh, at least you might get a few bites. Now, there's a good tip right there. Fish somewhere where they just dumped a whole bunch of big fish. That's a great idea. And and I tell you, beyond our bass fishing, of course, here we are in spring and the crappie come up to spawn. And so... Uh, 
you know, there's uh, shallow water crappie and, and our, our white bass are up in the creeks this time of year. So there really are endless opportunities and uh, use a little ingenuity, get out, burn a little gas, find, uh, find some of these places and you'll end up catching maybe as many as some of the guys on the boats. <laughs> I think bottom line is don't limit yourself by the fact that maybe you don't have a boat or a watercraft or equipment. Get out and enjoy it. Experience nature, experience fishing, and uh, you'll never regret that. Well, it sounds great. I think I'll go do a little bank fishing myself this afternoon, maybe take the dog. Might not catch a lot of fish, but uh, gosh, it'll be a nice day outside. Let's slip away for a few minutes and uh, hear from somebody that's fished a lot more banks than you and I, Guido and Stella Hebden. We'll be right back here on The Edge. You've got the truck. You've got the toys. Now it's time to get the hitch that gives you more time to play with both. It's the toe and stow receiver hitch by B&W. You want options? Select the ball size, adjust the height to level the trailer, or stow it out of the way in just seconds. It's 10,000 toe and pounds worth of durability, convenience, and the latest technology that has made B&W famous. The toe and stow receiver hitch by B&W. Call 1-866-BEST-HITCH. Welcome back to The Edge, brought to you in part by Ditch Witches Zon, establishing a new standard in trencher power and versatility. All right, we are back on The Edge, and joining us today, kind of exciting, ones that I know everybody knows, Guido Hibden, but also a major partner of his, and that is his wife, Stella. Guido and Stella, welcome to the show. Good to be here. Thank you very much for having us. We were talking about this interview, and, and kind of uh, I've been looking forward to it for quite some time. And, and the reason being is because I think that, you know, they always say behind every great fisherman is a wife, you know, that's very supportive. And still, I really think you kind of take that uh, to a new level. And, you know, maybe we could just set the stage for our listeners and, and kind of going back and, and just talking about how you guys have worked together, you know, in the past and, and what that has meant, you know, to your success and, and also really to Dion and now to the grandkids. It's interesting to uh, have a father and son and grandson and watch them progress through the years with what we've done. We started out, Guido and I, when the kids were still little, I stayed home quite a bit until they all got into school and got that taken care of. But, um, it's a lot of work. A lot of people don't realize what goes into it, but in the same breath, it's a lot of fun. We've had a ball. I wish every married couple could do what we've done. We've been all across the country. We've been out of the country. We've got friends strung out everywhere across the country. We're very fortunate, really, to have the life we've had. We spend every day together seven days a week, which sometimes maybe that might not work for everybody, <laughs> but, uh, you know... We've managed to keep it up and, and live with one child most of the time and everything. So it, it's been a lot of fun for me. I've enjoyed it. Well, yeah, because I almost see your role is not only are you wife and mother and that, but you're almost like, if you will, a, a manager, so to speak, uh, you know, like for a rock band or something like that. Because as we sit right now, you know, we're actually in your RV. You know, yeah. you guys are we're in between uh, practice and tournaments here. So, Gita, let me, let me transfer to you. How would you describe you know, kind of backing up and a take off on what Stella had, had mentioned. Well, we couldn't do it without her, that's for sure. And it, uh, I'm sure we take a lot of things for granted, you know, there's no doubt. But it, uh, could I get up and uh, do what I do as long as I've done it? You know, they was 
Somebody they kind of done a deal here a while back on how long I'd been at this crazy thing, and uh, it's right at 40 years. You know, that, that's pretty silly. No, we couldn't have done it without them. You know, Stella and Jill, they, uh, they do all the book work. They talk to uh, the biggest majority of the time. They talk to the sponsors and what have you, and... Uh, can you do it without sponsors? No, you can't do it without them. So you have to keep in touch with them all the time. And uh, they, they take care of our clothes. They cook for us. And some of these poor guys that do it, I don't know how in the world they do it. I, you know, if she quit tomorrow, I quit tomorrow. You know, and that's just the way it is. I don't uh, ever see my future, you know, being without her. Could I do it at the level I've done it? You know, I'm 62 now, and, and I probably don't do it as hard as I once did. But, uh, well, no, I don't. You know, those 100-mile runs, they turn into 50-mile runs now, yeah. and, and I just can't do it. You know, at uh, this cold like we're fixing to have, that's going to be tough on the old man, that's for sure. But I wouldn't want to do it, you know, and these guys that, that leave their wives at home and, uh, you know, Jill homeschooled the kids, you know, and we had another big motor home. They went with us, Jill homeschooled them, and those three kids have seen the world. I mean, they have, they've seen it all. But, I mean, would we have ever done it without them? No, it was, you know, I've even flew grandkids in. Uh, you know, if I'm gone three months at a time or something like that, I want to see them kids, and uh, so we fly them in. But it's been tough at times, you know, there isn't any doubt. There is, this isn't all, you know, everybody says, God, I wish I had your job, you know, to go hunting and fishing when you want to. Yeah, that's fine. Let them follow us around for about two months, and they might change their mind. But I love it. I, I can't. I've never thought about doing anything else, mainly because of Stella and Jill. Sure. Well, and you know the the sport when you when you think about competitive fishing, obviously there's a lot of lure to it. Um, looking from the outside in, but essentially. Unlike most occupations to where perhaps even if you own your own business, let's say, you know, eight to five, you right. know, 40 to 60 hour weeks. Fishing, on the other hand, when you're on the road, it's a lifestyle and it's a tremendous commitment. And, you know, so I could see to where uh, your role allows the guys to be able to focus on fishing. Is that is that right? Yeah. Uh, somebody has to take care of the reservations. Somebody has to plan the schedule and get us, you know, uh, we can't overlap. You know, we don't want one of them to have to miss a show because, you know, we miss schedules. There's always little kinks come up in the schedule that change a schedule. And, man, that sometimes can be pretty exciting to have to change one at the last minute. But it takes a lot of planning. It really does to make everything work where they can go down the road. If they have a boat problem, then... They have to jump in, in the other boat with you know with each other, and then it's my duty to get that sucker fixed before the day's over so that they're back to work the next day and got both boats. There's a lot of things. Yeah, I'm kind of a jack-of-all-trades, yeah. you might say. Well, do you like, let me ask you this, is because obviously you're passionate about what you do or you wouldn't be doing it, but yeah. what about the actual fishing part of it itself? Do you like to get out on the water I much? haven't been out on the water lately. I've had some sick problems, so I haven't been out on the water here lately. But, uh, yes, I love to fish. I really enjoy fishing. I don't get to go out with them as much as I used to because, to be honest, over the last 10 years, this has become more of a business. Mm -hmm. And it takes pretty much full time uh, during the day, keeping in touch with sponsors, taking care of stuff on the computer, and, I mean, it has become a business. Yeah. It really has. So I don't fish as much as I used sure. to. I fun fish. But to go out and practice with him like I used to, no, I don't have time for that anymore. Yeah. So what is, your, what is your drive? What keeps you doing what you're doing? And always, every time I talk to you, you're always so positive. And uh, what keeps well, you motivated? You know, they say that we always want more for our kids than we want for ourselves. I've always said that. When Dion won the Classic, that was wonderful. 
Then when Peyton won the Junior Classic, that was exciting. But I don't know. I just enjoy seeing the, the kids coming that's wanting to do this. Not just our kids. I mean, no. all the kids. There, there's kind of more to her story than, uh, than she's letting on. She fished with me every day at the James River when I won the Classic. And she fished with Dion every day. And he won the classic, so it's a pretty cool deal. Wow! Yeah, that was a lot of fun. I uh, I've never spent six days with my son alone, just me and him in a motel and on the water during the day. And uh, I came home and I told him, I said, I learned a lot about my son today. You think you know your kids, but you don't. But uh, to go off and just me and him, his wife was home with tiny twins. I learned a lot about Dion in those six days and being in a boat with him. Things such as, can you give us maybe some example? Like, are we well, talking personality? Well, I found out he was a man instead of a boy. Yeah. He wasn't my little boy anymore, that's for sure. I found out he was uh, one heck of a fisherman. I knew it and I suspected it, but to watch him, he was so meticulous about what he'd done. And I, I had to watch and laugh because... He'd, he'd skip baits under docks and stuff, do stuff, and I'd, I'd watch and I'd try to imitate him. Well, heck, I got hung up more than I've done anything. But uh, it was just a learning experience about him. And uh, then after he won the Classic, we were sitting in the press meeting, and I could tell the change in his voice. He was no longer Guido's son. He was Dion. Mm-hmm. He had made the exchange, he'd come out of Dad's shadow, and he'd made his own. And it was a wonderful experience to have been able to have spent those six days with him and, uh, you know, and helped him and what little help I'd done. But, sure. You know. When you look, I think, at, at fishing just in general or, or just in involvement in the outdoors, let's not even narrow it down to fishing, let's bring hunting or any outdoor sports that's into that. You know, it's, it's a lot about experience, and it's not always, let's say, about perhaps what you catch you know some of your best days on the water or, or best memories are like what you just speak of yeah and and that's so critical you know when i look at your situation you guys are the reasons why for instance bass edge and those that went before us are able to help you know facilitate and taking it to a new level what advice can you offer those that are either getting into the sport just from a recreational standpoint or even from a competitive standpoint i had a young man walk up to me at a show at Bass Pro Shop last week. And he was, I was going to say, 18, 19 years old. And he walked up to me and he said, okay, I'm ready to be a pro. And I mean, I looked at him and I said, pardon me, you know, I don't understand. I'm ready to be a pro. And it took me an hour to get that child to understand. You can't just come into Bass Pro Shop and sign up to be a pro. That, you know, you've got to start fishing on a club level. You've got to start where you know, where our grandkids are at now at a club level and then move your way up and stuff. Some of these kids, they want to do it, but they think they can go right straight to the top. Our boys have started at the bottom. They're fishing the little club tournaments. Uh, one of Dion's twins is qualified for the Junior Classic twice, ended up second twice. Got to love him. He can't quite make that hump. He'll get it. But they are miniature pros. When you see them come into the dock after uh, when at way in time they jump out of the boat and they run to the other and how'd you do today and everything I mean it's fun to watch them grow and I think all of the kids need to start at the bottom and have fun and go to the top again if they still when they get ready to go to the top if they're still having fun then they need to do it if they're not having fun they need to find another profession boy it takes a lot of money you know that's uh 
to having your parents behind you, you know, that's a big, big key right there. But there's some of these kids that, you know, that fish their little, uh, I don't even know what it's called. I mean, it's it's not just a club, it's four kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, you got two age groups. And though the, the parents save 80% of them are all for it. But there's that other 20% that's never fished in their life. They bring the kids. They, they don't nothing about fishing. But they know those kids want to fish. And so they bring them. And we try to make sure that they have, you know, people to fish with, whatever. I mean, we fish with kids all the time. Not just our kids, mm-hmm. but we fish with other kids. And, you know, as long as you take a kid fishing, everybody better wake up. Those kids are what's going to make our future someday. And... Uh, we better make sure we take them fishing if they want to go. I don't care who you are. Exactly. Take a kid fishing. You know, it uh, it doesn't hurt. You know, does he ask a lot of questions? Probably. Give him some good answers. You know, that, that you, we got to take them fishing. Simple as that. You know, the, look at the way things are now. You know, all uh, the bad things that are going on in the world. Take them fishing. I've never, ever had to worry about one of my kids. You know, it. Uh, I know where they are. You know, biggest majority of the time, they might be sneaking off to take your boat or your gun or something like that. But it, that's never been a problem. You know, it, uh, only if I had to go and look for Dion or Chuck, you know, I knew exactly where to go and look for them. Yeah. You know, they'd be on the water somewhere. That beats the heck out of the street. Exactly. And, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the same way. I mean, had a lot of us, have we not been introduced at some point in time? You don't even have to be no. a kid. I mean, this is a sport where you can get in at any point you in bet. time. But the impression that the outdoors can have on you and, you uh, and the change of direction that it can have with your life is, is phenomenal. You know, in our closing um, uh, minute here, before we get out, Guido, I'd like to, to throw it back to you. And, you know, when you hear the term professional, let's take off on what Stella had said a little bit earlier. How would you define the term a professional angler because there's a lot of things other than just picking well, up a rod and reel sure i mean it, it a professional bass fisherman you know as a guy that he has kind of dedicated himself to it you show me somebody that don't love doing it and i'll show you a guy that's in it for maybe a couple of years you show me a guy that says i'm going to do it because there's lots of money there i'm going to show you a guy that's not in it very long you know, there are those ups and downs, and if you if you can't accept that, you know, then you got problems, that's for sure. But it's a, a guy that loves it, like Dion does, or Payton, Lawson, and Connor, and other people, you know. They, all these guys are buddies of mine. I mean, they. I look at this FLW circuit, and they're all buddies for the most part. Most of them are young, you know. they. I don't know whether they pity me that I'm still out there or what it is, but... Uh, you know, they want me there, that's for sure. But it's, uh, you got to have a love for the sport. And it's one of those deals where they have took a wrong turn maybe every now and then. But they still love the sport, you know. And uh, competitive bass fishing is here to stay. The FLW has been the greatest thing that ever happened to us. You know, I lost a little bit of interest in bass, and I quit. You know, and I'm not going to say why. It's just a matter that, you know, I wasn't having fun over there anymore. You know, the I can't hoop and holler and raise hell like a lot of them. So, it, uh, you know, I lost interest in it. Come to the FLW, Charlie Evans and I, we've been big buddies forever. And uh, anybody that wants to try this to make a living at it, they ought to try the FLW sometime. You know, if I like it, anybody can like it. Yeah. And that's just the way it is. And But you better... Uh, you know, to 
turn yourself a professional bass fisherman, you know, give yourself a couple of years, you know, and uh, like Stella said, start at a different level, you know, the, the BFLs or the, you know, the Strand Series or some of those, you know, try it. Yeah. Because when you get in this upper ranks of this deal, I mean, it costs a lot of money and people lose, I've seen them lose everything, you know, yeah. and that's silly, you know, that that's a craziest thing i can sit and i've talked to them you know there's been a number of boys that you know i actually sat down and said listen you you've got to stop and you've got to look at what's going on you know you're fixing to lose your family and what have you but it uh if you have a big heart and you want to do it you can do it there, there's no doubt about it and it uh it takes a lot of dedication to the sport well certainly that's evident i think uh great advice spoken from uh, really both of you. I mean, you have a very long-term relationship. You've seen not only uh, one another come through it, but your kids and now grandkids. I, mean, I think I'm going to keep performing <laughs> for another 20 or so. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say that, that would be a, a good decision. But obviously there is a recipe there for success. Thank you so much for taking time uh, to share with us and, and the Edge listeners and look forward to talking with you again in the near future. My pleasure. You're welcome. I'm Scott Suggs, and stay tuned for more exciting action right here on The Edge. Power. Productivity. Speed. It's the best trencher ever made, not to mention the best plow. Dumper. Tiller. Backhoe. Stump grinder. And tool carrier ever made. The Zon, the revolution is here. Now you can harness the full power of your boat electronics and catch more fish. Introducing Electronics 101. Whether a beginner or more advanced, leading electronics instructor Mike Webb shows you how to get the most out of any sonar unit. Common problems and frequently asked questions are covered in detail. Electronics 101 also includes bonus deep fishing tips from industry pros. Master any brand graph. Order your DVD by calling 888-390-8780 or online at BassEdge.com. Man, it's always great to hear from those two folks there. They're just sort of the uh, first family of fishing around the northern Ozarks here. Well, and and that's so true. And, you know, obviously what they have accomplished, uh, you know, just look at his most recent tournament finish. I mean, he went out and won the thing. And, you know, certainly on an, even on a national scene, I mean, they just continue to uh, be a threat anywhere they go. But, you know, one of the things that I really felt was unique about that time that I was able to spend there with them in their motor home. You know, we had uh, an opportunity, I, I want to say about six or seven months ago, with Pam Martin Wells and Stephen. I don't know if you remember that. Um, mm-hmm. But talk about just the support and that that right. goes in and that he uh, shows Pam and, and, and everything from backing the boat down to, you know, scheduling. And, and really Stella takes this to a whole new level because not only does she do it for Guido, but she obviously has been instrumental uh, with Dion as well, and to hear those stories and her responsibility just blows my mind. Well, it's God, that's got to be such an advantage and such a comfort. I mean, you know, it helps when you can concentrate on the main job at hand. And uh, boy, I have someone like Stella back there who just understands so much about that business and 
is such an asset to those guys. That kind of helps. You know, athletes kind of like how I support you when we're out shooting shows. <laughs> <laughs> what are you laughing about? <laughs> oh man, oh man. Okay, yeah. Okay, Steve. Thanks. No, you do. You do support me, and I, I don't want to uh, take away I'll from that. For but, constructive criticism. Yeah, right. you, okay. you've got to realize their relationship is forty years in the making. So uh, anyway, we'll we'll no, uh, cross uh, that bridge at another time. But I, I really thought that. That, you know, to hear when, when you think about fishing and, and what draws us into the sport, whether it be recreational or even on a competitive side, uh, I wish we, we had time to, you know, air all the stories that I had the ability to sit there and listen to because the relationships that they have forged down through the years, whether it be their fans, whether it be other anglers, but across the nation, and also to hear Stella talk about, you know, with the situation of, obviously, Dion coming up under uh, kind of the shadow of Guido, um, you know, that's a lot of pressure, mm-hmm. but she was able to go and attend the Mass Masters Classic when Dion was able to actually win that, and, you know, to hear the emotion and, and just to feel that, she said, you know, I finally was able to see Dion step out kind of into his own and she said that was extremely rewarding. So it goes well beyond and transcends a lot of just, you know, the catching fish and how to catch fish. Um, there's a lot of emotion that comes into uh, what they do. Well, I know I could listen to the Hibbins talk for forever, and they've got endless stories. And the good thing about that is we're going to have them back on. But, uh, Aaron, we got a pretty good question this week, and it kind of goes along with what we were talking about in our first segment. The question says... I'm one of the unlucky ones without a boat, so I'm stuck with shore fishing. The rough part is I live around the Finger Lakes in southern New York. And always, every acre of land has got a house or private land so that my fishing area is limited. So I'd need just some general advice on how to get some decent bites. And that's from Michael in Bath, New York. Well, thanks, Michael, for sending that in. And uh, we threw that out to FLW Pro Chad Morgan Taylor. And uh, Chad writes that one of the best tools for casting long distances and working deep or shallow water is a shaky head rig and a spinning rod. He uses six or eight pound test line with an eighth ounce head. And for baits, uh, he uses a four inch finesse worm or a trick worm. Green pumpkin is always a great color, especially for clear water. He rigs it weedless, makes long casts, and works the bait slowly along the bottom. Good luck, Chad Morgan Taylor. Well, Michael, listen to Chad. He he certainly knows what he's doing, and that sounds like the perfect setup for your finger legs there. Shaky head, that's, uh, I bet that kind of got you going there. You're kind of a shaky head kind of guy yourself. Yeah, you know, anything finesse, I mean, it's it. what amazes me, though, Steve, about the shaky head is just its effectiveness, regardless of where you're at in the country. You know, that, that particular bait has probably caught more fish, um, not only from the front of the boat, but especially... Um, you know, in a partner situation, whether it be in a tournament or just a couple friends out uh, having a good time on the water. And I'm not quite sure. I I really, you know, have given this a lot of thought as to why it is so effective. Um, But, you know, the shaky head is just one of those things. I think it can mimic um, both a bait fish as well as perhaps a crayfish based upon the color and how you work it. But one of the things that I've found is that when you make that cast and you throw it, let's say you're fishing up against a dock or maybe into a brush pile or a piece of wood or rock pile or something like that, is if you'll notice when you throw that out, because of that eighth or a quarter ounce head that you're using and the longer tail 
uh, straight tail worm. It doesn't have a rudder, meaning it doesn't have a curly tail on the end of it. So what happens on a straight tail worm is it kind of spirals down and it looks like something's dying. So a lot of times on the fall is when you'll get a bite as well as when you're working it directly on the bottom. Man, you're so right about the, the shaky heads. You know, I... It's something I really didn't fish until I, I moved into the Ozarks, but now in these Ozark lakes, when I get to that point where I kind of want to throw my hands up and say, what now? That's usually when I put the shaky head on. It's becoming kind of a, a go-to bait for me. Well, do you remember when we were fishing there uh, down at Lake Martin with Boyd Duckett? Uh, this past season, you know, we had that massive cold front that, that moved through and, you know, we tried a, a barrage of other baits and what we ended up keying in on was picking up that shaky head and, you know, in a otherwise adverse condition that, you know, we were essentially getting no response from some of the other more reactive style baits. The shaky head came through, and I also remember about that is because we were targeting docks or specific mm -hmm. pieces of uh, rock or timber, things like that was when Boyd would make that cast and he would throw it out there, obviously let it sink down next to that structure, and the water was extremely clear, okay? So he, he would essentially make a long cast, but then he would shake it on a slack line, which would cause that bait to essentially stay in place, but it would cause it to pulsate and sit there and move and really draw the fish to come over and strike the bait. That's such a good point, and I tell you what, another thing I remember about that was that uh, how he was explaining how he liked the shaky heads in that situation because some of those docks we were fishing were in out of the wind, very quiet, and, you know, you plop a big old jig in there, and it was pretty shallow, if you remember. The fish were shallower than we thought they would be. And, uh, you know, that's just a bait you can lay in there with a, a nice little subtle presentation that also gives you, like, that downsize and allows you to throw on a lighter line, which is what it took to catch those fish on that cold front. Well, exactly. And, you know, I remember uh, last week, Guido himself was on BassEdge.com under the video tips section talking about, you know, skipping a bait uh, around docks and that and using that spinning reel. And, you know, a lot of times you, if, if you can perfect that technique, you can get that bait uh, in areas that other anglers aren't, uh, as well as, you know, obviously, let's face it, you've got to get the bait in the strike zone Otherwise, you're not going to get a bite. Well, you're right. Shaggy head is becoming pretty much a standard in most guys' tackle boxes these days, and I just seem to be throwing them more all the time. Well, Aaron, looks like we're going to hear from one of our good friends uh, down at Arden Reels. Yeah, he's going to be talking, Jake Tippy. that is, going to be talking about uh, gear ratios and how that comes into play throughout the course of your day on the water. So look forward to that. Well, we get asked that question a lot, and we'll have the answer when we come right back here on The Edge. Finally, a safe and convenient way to access any trailer boat. Introducing the new Flex Step by MegaWare Keelguard. Forget climbing over the sides ever again. Mount a Flex Step on the side of your trailer for easy access to rod lockers and tackle compartments with no boarding. Or bolt the high quality aluminum Flex Step to your trailer's tongue and enter your craft without ever getting wet again. Completely flexible, great for cleaning windshields, and the hollow tube doubles as a storage area. Available at major marine centers or learn more via the web. Hi, I'm Dave Wolak, and you're on the edge. You know, fishing reels are obviously an important tool when it comes to our days on the water. And recently, Bass Edge has received several questions concerning gear ratios and what that means. And helping us with, kind of with that answer, I guess, if you will, is Jake Tippy of Ardent Reels. Jake, welcome back to the edge, and thanks for taking time out to help us with this question. Well, Aaron, thank you very much for having me back. I'm uh, always honored to be on here. When you look at gear ratios, 
it, it can be a little confusing. And I know most of us are, you know, from the standpoint of, hey, if I can, you know, as long as it helps me get uh, the, the bass into the boat, you know, that's kind of a, the main thing. But obviously gear ratios play a huge factor when it comes to the, you know, the operation and the action of your bait. Oh, absolutely. I think us as a manufacturer at Ardent here, uh, we get a lot of questions regarding 7 to 1 gear ratio, 6 to 3 to 1, 5 to 1, and, and even lower, and some, you know, some people want higher speed. And really, this is all personal preference. This is all different techniques, and I think what people are missing is the true meaning behind that. And, and the 7 to 1 just simply means how many revolutions the spool turns per one crank of the handle. So 7 turns per one handle is a 7 to 1 gear ratio, 6.3 turns to one crank is your 6.3 to 1. I think the main thing that you have to get away from just looking at that number is you have to look at the inches per crank or the line pickup, and that is your most important number that you are trying to get out of a reel. That is basically, on a 7 to 1 gear ratio, you're going to be getting around 29 to 31 inches per crank. You know, on a 6.3 to 1, about 27 to 28 inches per crank and 23 to 24 inches per crank on a 5 to 1. Now, what does that mean for a fisherman? Well, if you are a guy that likes to reel really fast or if you likes to reel really slow, everybody has a different cadence, and nobody wants to change their cadence depending on a technique. So they get these different gear ratios to kind of help them out so they don't have to think about slowing their retrieve down for a crankbait or speeding it up to burn a spinnerbait. They just want to have the same cadence. So manufacturers have helped the fishermen by giving them different option gear ratios. Well, I think uh, you bring up a good point that we spend a lot of time talking about here, you know, on the edge and bass edge. And it really comes down to personal preference, which, you know, somewhat translates over into confidence, Jake. I mean, you know, when you get into a lot of those different gear ratios, some guys prefer to only have one reel for every application because they get used to, they would much rather, you know, make that conscious decision in their mind. But like you said, others, when you go from, let's say, picking up, a, a, you know, flipping a jig, uh, maybe Maybe they're using the new flipping pitch all the way down to, you know, burning a, a rattle trap or, or something like that. They would much rather have the equipment make that decision for them. Well, absolutely. 6-3 to 1 is your general gear ratio that is found in most reels. And, you know, that is one that can be used for, for burning crankbaits and even slowing down, throwing six, you know, throwing your BD-22s and not getting wore out on the water. But for the guys that really like to get, you know, technique-specific with their gear ratios, and keep using that same cadence because they're comfortable with it. You know, BD-22, 5 to 1. If you're going to burn a crankbait or something, or a spinnerbait, go up to the 7 to 1. And the reason guys are flipping and pitching with a high-speed reel now is basically to get their lure in the water, to get it out fast, and get it right back in the water. You know, it's all about speed. And the more time your line is spent in the water, the more opportunity you're going to have to catch a fish. Absolutely, and that's what it comes down to is, you know, efficiencies, and we whether it's recreational or in a tournament situation, Obviously, time is somewhat of a limited resource, and we want to make sure that, you know, we've got every opportunity to catch every fish that we can. Now, what about, and I don't want to get too technical, but I, I definitely think it's something to bring up. You know, there there's advantages and disadvantages when it comes to uh, the gear ratio situation. Can you talk about, you know, the power and, you know, some of, some of those things that come into play? Absolutely. I was actually uh, discussing this with my engineer this morning, uh, Brandon Gray, and the way that he described it, is when you are fighting a fish, the fisherman is always at a mechanical disadvantage to the fish. And what he meant by that is 
think about cranking your boat up on onto the trailer. You know, that's about a one-to-one gear, you know, gear ratio. It's a winch. You are in a mechanical advantage at that point cranking your boat on the trailer. It's very easy to do. Well, when you have a higher speed reel, like a seven-to-one gear ratio, that means you have a larger gear going against a smaller pinion in your mechanical device, in your reel. And so there's more effort on the fisherman to crank over that reel and get the fish in the boat. So there's more effort needed by it, so there's more power. So the fisherman is at more of a disadvantage, a mechanical disadvantage, when going up in the gear ratio. When you're going down in the gear ratio, you have a smaller gear with a larger pinion. So it's not as much effort. There's still a mechanical advantage to the fish, but there's more advantage to the fisherman at this point as you go down in the gear ratio. And that's why, you know, when guys are pulling big DD-22s, there's less effort. You know, there's not as much force needed to crank over that handle against a large gear versus a small pinion. And in the 5 to 1 gear ratio's case, you have a smaller gear with a larger pinion. I kind of compare it to, you know, trying to go up a hill on a bike with it in a high <laughs> gear. You know, it's just like you're really having to, to make an effort to do that. That's right. That's exactly right. You know, real quickly, uh, before we get out of here, Jake, as far as the general purpose application that you see for most anglers, you know, if somebody had a limited budget, what gear ratio would you recommend in the Ardent line uh, for all applications? For all applications, I would definitely look at like a 6-3 to 1 or a 6 to 1 gear ratio. That is your most general. It's going to help you. You know, it's not going to wear you out if you're throwing a big crankbait. It's going to be high speed enough for when you're flipping and pitching or for any application that you're doing. I think when you start getting out of different gear ratios, if you start going up and you start going down, you're really getting technique specific towards, you know, the fish you're trying to catch and the, and the base that you're using. 6-3 to 1, was, you know, that, that is a very general term. as a very general gear ratio. Is that something that's a special order or is that just something that comes in all across the board on the XS 1000s to the 600s and so on and so forth? That comes standard in all, in all of the Arden Reels. Okay. Once again, thank you so much for your time. And how can our listeners, uh, obviously we've said it on here many, many times, but uh, where can they go to find out more information, not only on gear ratios, but also on Ardent Reels? Well, they can go to BassEdge.com and uh, ask the pros, or they can go to Arden Reels and contact us at www.ardenreels.com and ask us any questions you'd like, and we'll be happy to uh, get them answered for you. Well, Jake, again, so gracious with your time. Appreciate uh, the, the insight and the education. It's amazing how much you can learn uh, when you get the right people. So thank you so much, and uh, we look forward to talking with you again in the near future. All right, buddy. Thank you so much. Now you can order Bass Edge Seasons 1 and 2 on DVD. Own the best resource for tips and techniques in bass fishing is host Aaron Martin tackles lakes across the country with the industry's top pro anglers, including Edwin Evers, Boyd Duckett, Alton Jones, and Pam Martin-Wells. The two sets include all 25 episodes with never-before-seen footage, over three hours of bonus pro angler interviews, bloopers, and highlights. Each two-disc set is just $19.95. Call 1-888-390-8780 or order online at BassEdge.com. Steve, that is all the time that we have for today's episode, but I know next week uh, we're bound to have another good episode coming up. Oh, we sure do, Aaron. We're going to have Chad Morgan Taylor speaking about a very timely topic, and that's how to catch fish during the post-spawn period. Well, we look forward to visiting with all of you then, and look for Bass Edge on the Outdoor Channel, seen three times weekly at 8 a.m. Thursdays, 9 a.m. Fridays, and Saturday afternoons at 2.30 p.m. all Eastern Time. Bass Edge can also be seen on the World 
World Fishing Network and Wild TV in Canada. For the latest Bass Edge information, merchandise, and for an opportunity to win prizes and ask the pro questions, be sure and log on to BassEdge.com. For Steve Brigman, I am Aaron Martin, and we look forward to seeing you again next week right here on The Edge. This week's edition of Bass Edges, The Edge, has been brought to you by B&W Trailer Hitches, Ditch Witch, MegaWare Keel Guard, O'Reilly Auto Parts, and Legend Boats. For more information on Bass Edge, including our television show, training materials, e-newsletter, and podcast, please visit www.bassedge.com. Be sure to join us next week on The Edge.